Welcome to That's Marketing Baby, the weekly show where two marketing besties talk all things marketing in the world of B2B and B2C. I'm your co-host, Susan Winograd, and I've spent over 20 years in marketing focusing on paid media and email marketing. And I'm Jess Cook, copywriter and creative director turned content marketer. Every week, we'll tackle a topic that's on our minds and hopefully yours too. Ready? Let's go. That's Marketing Baby is brought to you by Aircule. Aircule is an agency that helps small content teams get control of their SEO, analytics, and content strategy. Susan and I have both worked with the Aircule team. They're amazing. They're super smart, and their free app, Atimo, tells you what content is performing, what isn't, and what to work on next. My favorite feature are knowing what pages are my wallflowers. These are pages with good engagement that aren't getting much traffic. Then I can figure out what to do next. Check it out at otimo.cool. That's O-T-T-I-M-O dot C-O-O-L. And now on to the show. Welcome back, everyone, to episode 10. Pew, 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 pew. We did it. We did it. <laughs> We're in double digits. Double digits. Of That's Marketing, baby. I am Jess Cook. I'm head of content at Lasso. And I'm here with my marketing bestie, Susan Winograd. Hi, everybody. Hey, bestie. How are you? <laughs> Good. How are you? Good. It's been a little while. Life was crazy. We did some solo episodes, which, I mean, they were pretty great, too. They were. I missed you, though. I know. I'm glad the band is back together. Yeah, we are. <laughs> so what are we talking about today? Let's tell everybody. Okay. So we were feeling very drawn to this topic that we actually came up with months ago now, but has just kind of been sitting in the parking lot. Something that Susan and I have experienced multiple times over and really, really affects everything that you do in your marketing. And that is the price of your product. Are you selling Chevy Nova? Or are you selling a Lamborghini, right? Yep. In terms yep. of like whatever it is that you are marketing and how does that actually affect how you market it, right? It's drastic. And we have five points today that we want to talk about. I think it's also super timely because like everyone's been like, are we in a recession? Are we not right. in a recession? Is there inflation? Is there not? Like it, there's been so many question marks and like all my yes. friends that run agencies that I've talked to, they've been talking about how like they're a little nervous about contracts coming up because so many places are just kind of hedging their bets right now. Like there's just been so many layoffs and so much stuff going on that there's just a lot of fear. So it feels very timely also to talk about anything <laughs> relating to price right. and trying to sell things in a potentially down economy. Absolutely. All right. So do you want to tackle the first one? Do you? Sure. I, yeah. Okay. I think this is one that you and I can both really relate okay. to just because yeah. it's something that we both especially when we worked together, we had to touch base on a lot with the sales yes. team. But the first one is the sales cycle. And really, more specifically, how long is that sales cycle? There's obviously so many challenges that come with both short and long sales cycles. But I think especially in B2B, it's like we were talking about the more expensive the product is, the longer it's probably going to take to sell it. So I think there's a few ways to look at the first is, and this was something that you were always really good about. And frankly, our head of sales was amazing with was feedback from the sales team, helping us on the marketing side, understand why is it taking so long? Is it because we're not, are we just reaching not decision makers? Is it someone that doesn't have the authority to decide this stuff? Is it that they're trapped in procurement hell? <laughs> is there, you yeah. know, getting insight into why it takes long, I think makes such a big difference. Yeah. Shout out to Brian Hammer, by the way. Who yeah. Brian's the man. I love that guy. Miss you, buddy. I know. He's the best. Yeah. Who was just somebody who would be like, hey, guys, just so you know, like we're stuck in procurement. 
with <laughs> X company, right? Or, hey, everyone, the person who actually booked the demo would be the daily user, but they have to get it approved by three more levels of people and finance, right? Mm-hmm. So it was really, really helpful to know, like, yeah, why is this taking so long? Like, is it who they're talking to? Is it they're hesitant? Like, what does that look like? And how can we then create content to like combat that and shorten that cycle a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a really, really great point. And he was always really, really good at that. Yeah, he was always forthcoming. And I think the other piece too is, Things like nurture cycles, like with email and stuff, that becomes so much more important. And I see a lot of B2B SaaS sort of fall down there. It's kind of like, they're like, okay, well, we got the demo booked or it's like, okay, we're pushing all this stuff out. But you need to look for those little itty bitty micro conversions along the way to just figure out, are we on the right track? Are we reaching the right people? Because if it takes six to eight months for the sales cycle to happen, you don't want to wait the eight months to be like, hey, did that work? So (laughs) it's like, you kind of need to figure out what are the things that need to continue happening during longer sales cycles to keep keep you front and center and keep the prospect engaged. And I feel like there's, it's always an interesting place there because there's that pass off from marketing to sales. And sometimes it's not very clear or it's too cut and dry. So it's like, it's just dumped in the salesperson's lap and it's like, this is your lead now. So now you got to figure it out. Whereas, you know, truth be told, it's probably good for the prospects to be hearing from more than just the salesperson, right? It's like continue to provide the value pressure free. Not that salespeople are full of pressure, but I think there's a perception that's like, oh, the salesperson's reaching out to me. So it feels like pressure versus just, hey, we're just going to keep adding value and keep providing you stuff. I think that that becomes a lot more important in those longer sales cycles too. Yeah, absolutely. And as you're kind of waiting for that deal to come through, it's like we've given them this asset that they downloaded and two other people then came from their company to the website, you know, and we can track that or, you know, they mentioned that they've been listening to the podcast or they started following us on social media. And so you can kind of see like, all right, we're just going to keep them interested and engaged this whole time while they're still kind of in this deal track. And those things can win people over, right? Where it's like, they just get that reassurance in a couple different touch points as kind of that motion is happening of like the sales cycle continues that like I'm making the right choice or like, yeah, these guys that really are smart, like they get my problems and, and you know, hey, what's that going to say about the product? And this maybe this is something I can share with the couple of other decision makers who I'm bringing along here that might give them that confidence as well. So yeah, that sales leads cycle. Very seamlessly. Like so seamlessly into point number two. Maybe for that segue (laughs) later. This is going to be heavily yours probably. But the next piece about, you know, how price affects your marketing also relates to your messaging. So you were just touching on this a bit as far as like what you're saying and when you're saying it. But yeah, content queen, I would love to hear (laughs) your input about the messaging piece when it comes to tying into long sales cycles and what you're priced at. How do you approach messaging based on different price points? Yeah, absolutely. So I think when you have a low price point, it is very much about like FOMO, right? Like Mm -hmm. this tool will help you do this much faster, right? And it's like, if I can just kind of see that, if you can show me like a little mini demo online, if you can show me a couple case studies or some social proof, like I'm on board, that's probably going to get people there most of the time. Like Mm -hmm. this thing does X, here's how, here's a look at it. Oh, cool. That looks like it would solve some problems for me. Here's my credit card, right? The higher the price, 
the bigger the investment and you have to position it as such. So it has to be seen as like, you can't try to hide the fact that it's a higher price. You have to really capitalize on that and talk about like, this is the kind of transformation you will see if you invest in this tool, right? Mm -hmm. Here are other people who have invested in this tool and the changes that and transformation that they have seen. Look at these heavy hitters, right? Like, oh, you consider yourself among these, right? Like Mm -hmm. here are all these logos. So I think it's very much about being positioned as an investment. And at the same time, you have to give back some sort of messaging around return on that investment. So what kind of multiplier in either revenue or like time or cost savings or analytics that I can then use to make smarter decisions. Like what are the things that I'm going to get for paying this hefty sum in return? And like, what is that going to help me do? So I think just illustrations of those are really, really helpful. But I think there's one more missing piece because you can show someone like, hey, here's a 401k, you should put money into it. And here's what will happen in 40 years when you retire, right? Everyone knows that that is the smart thing to do, but not everyone does it because there's not any urgency. Yes. So I think there's like a third thing that has to be built in, which is like, why right now? Like, what are you going to miss out on that the people who don't make this investment will not? And I feel like that's always that's missing so it's often. Missing. It's and missing like, so well, much. Like when you put it that way, I'm like, I've, I'm thinking through like headlines and, you know, yeah. like landing pages that I'm driving stuff to. I'm like, yeah, it doesn't give them a reason why it has to be that moment, no. you know? Like, what is the disadvantage you're going to be at if you don't act right now? Yeah. Because there has to be one. Otherwise, you wouldn't be in business, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you wouldn't be. No successful tool doesn't have something they could say there. So I think really making sure that you are positioning it as something that like, yes, we know we are top dollar. Mm-hmm. We are worth it. And here's yeah. why. And here's why you need to do it today. Yeah. Love it. There you go. Okay. Point. All right. Point three, this is, I'm going to pass this one back to you, (laughs) media queen. Okay. Because I think this one is very much about like, okay, if you have your messaging kind of figured out, like now, where are you going to go put it? Where are you going to put your dollar behind, Mm -hmm. you know, where are you going to put your budget, your media budget in order to spread this message and get people to buy? And what does that look like as the price of the thing increases? Yeah. I think the I'll say the biggest challenge I probably run into with media in these higher priced marketing efforts is a lot of places in B2B SaaS, they want this perfect formula. Like they want to know if I spend X dollars on LinkedIn and X dollars in Google that I am going to get this number of demos and that's how it's going to work. And the truth is there's just this very messy middle that I think we all have to get comfortable with. And that's not to say that you don't figure out a mix that works well, but it's never going to be this easy prescriptive thing. It just, and some of it rises and falls on things like content too. There's just certain content that will do better than others. There's certain webinars that will do better than others. So there's not really a perfect formula. I think the other thing that is difficult is because these higher priced marketing efforts are longer term based, you don't get a really quick feedback loop. And so as soon, and there's always this pressure, like I have friends that are like, I couldn't do paid media because the pressure, it's like the second they start spending a dollar, you know, the brand is going, what are we getting for it? You know, there's this immediate feedback loop that they want to have. And in expensively priced things that take a long time, 
if you're always saying that the the mark of the successful paid media campaign is that we get demos and sales, yes, that's obviously always the goal, but that can't be the thing that everything is measured against because yeah. all of those things are working together to make it happen. When I approach media from this perspective, it's like there's I always view it as a parallel path in my mind where there's like two tracks. The one track is you're just going around and like scooping up the demand that exists, right? I don't know why. I've always thought of the analogy like when you're at a driving range and there's the guy driving around and like the <laughs> the metal case just gathering up all the golf balls that have been that have been hit. That's what it feels like. It's like those things are there and you're just kind of picking them up. It's very easy. Oh, I thought you were gonna try I thought you were gonna say you like to try to hit him <laughs> with your golf ball. <laughs> That's where my brain went. I mean, I'm sure there's an analogy in there somewhere. Well, I mean, he's like a bigger target than the whole. I clearly do not golf. <laughs> clearly, I do not either. <laughs> but I think that so that's oh, that's one track where it's like that's the stuff that tends to be more predictable. Where you're like, look, we know that we get like X number of things off of Google each month from our brand search or whatever. You know, it's something yeah. that's, that's pretty attainable and easy. But the second path of that, so it's like you've got this one parallel path where it's just scooping up everything that's already there, and then you have another track of media spend that is building that stuff to happen in the future. Yeah. So that's the stuff that you're spending that you're not going to have that immediate feedback loop. And you're looking at like leading indicators to figure out, is this hitting the right place? Like, do we have a high click-through rate on these types of content? Are we getting registrations? What are they doing when they get to the site? Understanding those types of metrics that can at least give some indication if you're reaching the right people and if you're saying the right things. I think that that's kind of, it's been a lost art. I think it's getting better now with privacy and stuff. And a lot of places are accepting the fact that there just will always be that messy middle. So you have to look at other things to help you understand if you're doing the right stuff. So I think- thoughts on like, okay, if you have a lower priced product or a higher priced product, like the weight of those two things, the scooping versus the- yeah. Generation. Yes. So and it's a great question. And some of it depends on with the lower price stuff. Are there like stair step conversions that you do? So mm-hmm. it might be like, you know, two week free trial and then you sign up for a hundred bucks a month. You know what I mean? Got it. So that kind of starts to, to play a part where it's like, what are you optimizing towards with your media? If you're just saying like, let's just get as many free trials as possible because once they're in, we, we know we can sell the product. So some of that weight depends on what that sales cycle looks like. You know, if it's if it's cheaper, but you're going for something that's a very easy, low threshold play, you definitely can figure out a much more succinct formula, I would say, in those situations than if with something where it's like they can't get a free trial, they have to book a demo, you know, it's a lot of money every month and it's yeah. the budgets. And, you know, it's like with those, it's much less prescriptive. But yeah, I mean, the, the cheaper it is, the little, it really gives you an edge as far as figuring out pretty quick, like, this thing is working and the feedback loop is a lot faster. Yeah. That's smart. So now that we've talked now, and let's start tying this all together, because we talked about sales yeah. cycle length, messaging media. So obviously, who are we talking to? Yes. So our fourth point is our audience. Yes. Go ahead. No, no I was going to say this fascinates me with content. I think this is a good 50-50 one because it's okay. like, who do you yeah. target with your media? But then also, what yes. are you saying? So let's start yes. with the content side when you're talking about the audience and especially the... Again, when you're talking about these longer sales cycles, there might be multiple people involved in this decision. So I'd love to hear about yeah. how you approach that from a content perspective. Yeah, absolutely. So the thing that I like to know is who has clicked book a demo most often? And yeah. that's not going to be on par for everybody, right? Like I know that there's like you're going straight to purchase or you've got a free trial or whatever, but whoever converts most often, I like to look at that like job title. And then second, I like to look at, okay, 
just because they clicked, they were the one to click the button doesn't mean they were the one most likely to become a customer. So that's like a second kind of thing I like to look at. So those two in combination, you can typically find if you go into HubSpot, you can find out who's been clicking book a demo most, who has then been most likely to become and stay a customer. And based on that information, that's kind of like, okay, that's who I want to go after if those two things line up, right? If Mm -hmm. not, you probably have some more digging to do to figure out like, who do you need to go after? And talking to your sales team would absolutely be part of that. But I think the idea of kind of these in the pricing realm is like the higher the price, the higher up in the org, you're probably going to need to go mm-hmm. for your target, right? So if you have $30 a month, a $20 a month thing, like I probably don't even need sign off to throw that on a company card. Like I probably just need to send that to accounting, whatever. Yeah. Let boss know, right? Most people have some sort of rule like that. Mm-hmm. Once I get up into, okay, this is, you know, above a thousand dollars. Like I don't have the discretion to make that decision. And now I've got to involve other people. So I now need to, I'm probably going to book a demo because I want to see it and I want to build a case for why I need this tool, but I'm going to need my boss's buy-in. If it's really expensive, he's going to need his boss's buy-in. We're going to have to go to the CTO, make sure that like it fits in with our stack. We don't already have something we're using, right? So, and then again, you can see where this cycle gets really long because we need these assurances that like when we pay this money, it's going to do everything we need it to do. So you're going to, you know, I think you have to look into one who's actually coming to the site and converting, Mm -hmm. like who is part of that decision. And then as you get higher up on that kind of price tag, you're probably talking to someone higher up in the company, whether they're the ones to use it every day or not. Yeah. So you really have to understand those people's motivators, mm-hmm. what their problems are. You have to talk to them. We've said this so many times, like talk to those customers because that's really the only way to figure out like what content do you need? What problems do you need solved? What things keep you up at night? And like, I can, yeah, I can go and create content around that and get that to these folks. So that's where I land on audience in terms of like, what content to create as the first buyer. I think that's the part that makes the media work really well or not work really well too. Yeah. Because there's nothing worse than just having this like very high level generic piece of content or creative that then has to be everything to everybody. So, you know, it's like if I set up something on LinkedIn and they're like, oh, we know that, you know, the decision makers are going to be the VPs of marketing and the CMOs, but the users are the digital media people, for example. Yeah. Sending the same thing to both of them doesn't make sense, right? It's like people that use it every day are fixing a different problem for themselves than the VP of marketing or the CMO who chooses to have this tool, right? It's like, and so having one thing that is then supposed to service both of those people, you tend to just see it not do great because it'll do really well with one, but really horrific with another because you're just not, you're not aligning what you're saying to the right people. The content, you mean? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So it's like when you go to put media money against it, it's like it's very easy for places to say, hey, let's spend $10,000 on LinkedIn and we need to target these people. But a lot of times what's missing from that is like target each of those groups with what? Because it's probably yeah. not going to be the same thing. And a lot of places don't think through it that far. You know, it's kind of like they're like, well, we made this white paper. And I'm like, okay, but who's it for? Is it for the decision maker? Or is it for the user if those aren't the same people? That's a challenge, I think, on the media side is that a lot of times you are needing to talk. I really feel like it's usually two audiences, pretty much. There might be like a third, but it seems like it always kind of comes down to like the 
internal advocate versus the decision maker, right? Yes, 100%. So not having something that can speak to both of those, I think on the the audience side is is a challenge. And again, obviously, again, with how price affects that, the larger the price tag, like you said, the higher up you're going, but there might also just be more people involved in the decision too. I mean, that might be like a group committee decision so that you know, who you're talking to and how you're selling it becomes all, all the more important. And sometimes depending on the size of your team, like even if you do have a decision maker and a daily user, like you have to figure out, okay, I have three people on my team. I have to pick one of those yeah. and go after them. Like I'm not going to have time or resources. I'm going to, if I try to do both, they're, everything's going to be mediocre. Like I yeah. need to double down on one. And then again, depends on the size of your team. If you have a big team, great. Figure out how you can divide and conquer and go after both. But I think most of us are trying to do the same with less right now. Yeah. So figure out the one that is really going to help you hit those revenue goals or whatever goals that your company has set fastest and double down on that group. Yep. And so then our fifth and final is how you work with budget. Yeah. Depending on what your price is. So how do you align your marketing budget to the price of your product? And I think you and I were talking about this prior that where everyone's head immediately goes is media, right? Yeah. But the fact of the matter is there's a lot of other costs that go into marketing that are not just the dollar amount you spend. It's like, are you using contractors? Are you hiring creative people? Do you have to hire full-time employees? Like there's all these ancillary costs that go into that. And so I, you know, from a budgetary perspective, it's always kind of funny when people be like, hey, here's $50,000 to run media. And I'm like, great. What's, do we have our, like, what's the creative? And what's they're like, for, what's for <laughs> next month? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. But they haven't budgeted anything to like get good content made. It's like they yeah. only thought as far as like the dollar amount they're going to put in the platform. And they haven't really thought about their marketing budget as an overall investment, it feels like. Yeah. I think this is for our listeners. Like the thing to really take away from this is like, if you have a very expensive product, you have to advocate for more budget to sell it the right way, right? Yeah. Like you have to be like, Hey, this is great. And I think we can use this X dollars that you've given me to do this. But I know that like the ACV or the LTV annual contract value or lifetime value of our product is Z. And I don't feel confident that I can hit these numbers with this, right? Like yep. I think we're going to need a video production company to help us out, like build some sort of explainer, or I'm going to need a couple freelancers to really help us create some blog posts that are going to draw people in through organic search because that's a big driver for us. Whatever it is, like you're going to have to go and advocate for those dollars if you don't have kind of a leadership team that is putting these two things together, right? Like the cost of the product versus the cost of marketing said yes. product. I mean, aligning those two things is so important. And I see it not happen often where, you know, the example I gave you before, before I started recording was I'll hear so often LinkedIn's so expensive. And I'm like, but so is your product. Yeah. <laughs> I understand that it's expensive, relatively speaking, but it's also the only place where you can target these job titles that you need, Mr. B2B SaaS person. Yes. And yes, it's expensive, but it's it's quality over quantity. Yeah. So I think keeping that in mind with, hey, if you know that you're doing something like LinkedIn, where it's going to be more expensive media, then don't get all cheap <laughs> on the content <laughs> that you make to promote there. Like, you know, it's so funny to me when places are like, LinkedIn's just so expensive and going to take all our money to run there. And it's like, well, maybe are you running the right thing? I mean, it's if you're going to go through all that trouble, instead of just complaining that it's expensive, make sure that you're aligning your expectations and your money with what it's going to take. So if your product, you know, if a contract for your product, Mr. B2B SaaS person is $150,000, 
don't give me $2,000 for LinkedIn and expect me to work wonders, you know, or give me, you know, 50K for LinkedIn. And, you know, you got some terrible piece of content off of Upwork with no editing and no direction. You're going to have the same problem. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, you get what you pay for in terms of like, if you're buying a SaaS product and you're trying to pay for the resources to actually market that product, right? Like all of that has to align. And I think there's something to be said too, like you're saying, like you can't just go Fiverr Upwork and like get some of this stuff done, right? Those places are great resources for other things. Yeah. But there has to be a level of credibility that you're building in your content and your media as well, right? Mm Mm-hmm. It's the same thing if I go to someone's website and it looks outdated or it's not user-friendly. Like I don't trust a company that doesn't put money into their marketing to put money into a product either. Yes. So it is my first impression of what your product could be like. And if it's shoddy, I'm going to think your product's shoddy. Yeah. So that has to align, right? If you have the Lamborghini of products, your marketing has to be the Lamborghini of marketing. Agreed. So those are our five points. Yeah. Now price affects your marketing. It affects things with your sales cycle, your messaging, your media, your audience, and your budget. Yes. Just a little bit to bite off there. A little bit. That's good. (laughs) You rattled that off so well. Thank you. Yeah. So I think that's it for this week, everybody. Yeah. And yeah, we made it to double digits. I'm excited. And you were saying that the the average podcast lasts 11 episodes. So So we're almost there. We're almost there. Well, thanks to everybody's encouragement. Well, (laughs) we're going to break. It's the seven year itch of podcasts. It's 11 episodes and we're going to... We're going to make it. We're going to pass through it, man. I I have no doubt. Well, (laughs) everyone have a fantastic week and we will see you next time. That's marketing, baby. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of That's Marketing, Baby. Like what you heard? Please give us some love with a review. And don't forget to hop into our community list at thatsmarketingbaby.com to get more helpful tips, resources, and thoughts from us. See you next week.